Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Christian Parenting Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I am so happy to be back with you for another solo episode. This is part two of my 12-part, 12-month series. That means once a month, I am talking about what your son needs most from you. We are covering the topics from chapters in my book, Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. If you missed it, in January, I did part one of this series, and it was from chapter two of Boy Mom called A Connection That Lasts. And we talked about four building blocks of a healthy relationship with your son. I was so grateful to get a lot of really good feedback from that. Uh, Doing solo episodes is different. I'm used to mostly doing interviews. So thank you for the feedback. It encourages me so much. And now today we get to talk about a chapter that I think might be a reader favorite. It's probably the chapter that I've been asked about the most when I've been on podcasts or radio interviews. I was able to go over to Little Rock, Arkansas and do a family life interview. And um, this is a chapter that people seemed really interested in and for good reason. And so as I was reading over it today, I was like, oh my goodness, There is so much I want to talk about. I could read you the whole chapter, but I won't do that. I'm going to read the opening, and then I'm going to highlight a few of the really favorite parts, and then I'll let you go back and read chapter three of Boy Mom to talk about boundaries and freedoms. Chapter three is called Training Grounds, but really this is about boundaries, freedoms, and discipline. And so I'm excited to dive in and try to give some highlights, and I hope you enjoy this. Now, before I do that, I just want to thank you all again for being part of this community. And also, I want to thank you for your ratings and reviews. They mean so much to me, and they actually are one important way uh, that this podcast gets put out there so that more people find it all over the world. So as strange as it is, it's just how the algorithm works. So if you haven't left a rating or review yet, I would sure appreciate it if you would. I read everyone, and they always encourage me. I'm going to read a recent one from, it looks like ALM. 
T-O, Om Tu, and she titled it A Voice of Hope in Challenging Times. And this is what she says. Five stars. Thank you so much. It says, the Boy Mom podcast continues to ground me in raising my four boys and one daughter. It is easy to lose sight of the end goal of raising followers of Christ when we are bogged down in cooking and cleaning and endless scheduling. Monica and her guests remind me to have faith and keep coming back to God. Alm to thank you so much. That is my heart, and I am so grateful to read that review. So friends, um, wherever you listen to this podcast, there is a place that you can go to leave a rating or review. You can just click on those five stars if you only have a moment, but it means so much to me. So thank you for that. And um, also, it's always fun to just take a photo, a screenshot of this episode and share it in your social media. Great way for people to discover the Boy Mom Podcast. Okay, guys, so now let's dive in and talk about training grounds, boundaries, freedoms, and discipline. And I open this chapter with a quote I love from Timothy Keller in his book, The Reason for God. It says, in many areas of life, freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, the liberating restrictions. Isn't that good? I had to chew on that for a little bit. I'm going to read it one more time quickly. In many areas of life, freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, the liberating restrictions. And I think that'll make even more sense as we talk about this thing of boundaries and freedoms. So I'm going to just read the opening because I love that. When Dave and I were new parents, we often asked for wisdom from older parents whose kids impressed us. One of our favorite responses came from an older couple who had raised five children. The man suggested, for the first few years, you mostly just want to keep them alive. (laughs) Kids are 100% dependent on us at birth and for many years into their future. Even when they enter the, I can do it myself stage, they still can't do much of anything for themselves. Henry Cloud and John Townsend said it well in their book, Boundaries with Kids. They wrote, As a rule, children don't know what they're doing. They have little idea how to handle life so that it works right. That's why God gave them parents, to love them, give them structure, and guide them into maturity. So, in short, boys need their parents, and boys need boundaries. On a given day, any small child has a dozen or more opportunities to be in danger. If we're talking about a boy, you might double that number. Most boys are bent on adventure from the time they can move, and a day without a visit to the emergency room is indeed a good day. Dangers may change in nature, but in many ways they become even more serious as boys enter their tween and teen years when they tend to think they understand the world better than they actually do. Today, growing boys face peer pressure and exposure to alcohol, drugs, or any number of dark places which are just a click away on the internet. So what are we to do? We cannot raise our sons in a bubble, right? Though if you find a way, please let me know. I think we could market that. In order for them to grow up able to make good life choices, we must give our boys opportunities to make smaller choices along the way. Allowing them to fall down and get back up in a safe environment is one of the best ways to help them avoid bigger falls in less safe environments later. We face a challenging task, protecting our boys while still giving them the necessary opportunities to spread their wings, make some mistakes, and grow up to one day embrace a healthy independence. But with a little purposeful parenting, I believe it can be done. 
So guys, I go next into what I call secure boundaries. And I open by mentioning that in my most popular uh, blog post, What a Teenage Boy Needs Most from His Mom, I wrote that our boys need to know what is absolutely okay and what is absolutely not. They may resist rules, but deep down, they feel safe when there are clear-cut rules without exceptions. Make them clear and consistent and have absolute consequences in place for when they break rules, because truly, boundaries equal security. Boys need boundaries. They need a fenced-in area that provides a safe place to grow and explore. So our goal as parents is that those externally applied boundaries in the form of rules and limitations established by us parents will give way to internally applied boundaries in the form of self-restraint and personal choices later. There is no doubt kids who learn to govern their own feelings, instincts, and impulses will mature beyond needing external control. So that's the thing, parents. We want to not only give them some boundaries, but talk about those boundaries, talk about why we're giving them the boundaries and coach them through as they grow up so that one day they will give themselves boundaries. That is a sign of maturity when a young man, a teenager or a young man understands what it means to give himself limits. That's a sign of maturity. Now, I do talk here about addressing resistance because chances are at least one of your children will probably have a tendency to argue about the boundaries that you set. We can call them strong-willed or independent thinkers, but there is no doubt uh, most of us end up with at least one child that will challenge us. So one of the things I share here is something that we do in our family, and that is we ask our kids to obey us first, regardless of if they agree or not. But then if they feel they have a strong and reasonable case, we offer what we call an appeal process. This means that after respectfully agreeing to obey and taking time to think about things, they can come to us to present their appeal. Now, it's important that kids do not abuse or overuse the appeal process. Uh, they should definitely save it for times that they really think they have a strong case. If they overuse it, then we don't let them use it at all. But this will give a strong-willed son a sense of dignity, and it allows him to feel heard, which makes a big difference. So this is where we don't want to be dictators. We want to open up conversations, let our kids have a voice, and then give them a reasonable response and a reason for why we are doing what we're doing. Another important part in this chapter that I love is what I call the unexpected value of no. Now, many people are surprised to discover that children often feel relieved when their parents say no. Now, this is, I think, more and more all the time. Parents want their kids to like them. I get that. But sometimes we want to be friends with our kids a little too much. And we don't want to say no because we don't want the fallout. We don't want them to get upset with us or quit liking us. Honestly, if, if it, when we're really honest, that's what it comes down to. But kids need parents to say no. And sometimes kids will feel pressure to do something. Maybe it's stay overnight with a friend or be on social media or go to a, a concert or a movie or something like that. And when they come to us for permission, Sometimes deep down, they're hoping we're going to say no, even if they would never admit it in the time. So if we say yes to that and give them freedom too quickly, especially when we know it's not the right thing to do, sometimes this creates pressure for our boys to experience things that they really don't feel ready for. Does that make sense? So the truth is there's a lot of kids that would enjoy 
a Friday night of Netflix with mom and dad and are relieved if you just say no to that party or that overnighter. And so you may not know that for a couple of years, but if you go with what you know in your heart is right and say no, you're going to find out later that they were really grateful. Now, I tell this story in this section um, of something that I actually wrote a blog post about years ago. And so in show notes, I will also link to that blog post. But it was how when I only had one son, when Josiah was just a you know baby, basically, I spent a lot of time with a friend who had already four kids, so they were a little bit older. And one of her kids came up to her while we they were playing. My son was probably napping at her home and I was visiting. And he had a friend over, her son did, and came up to mom and said, oh, my friend invited me to spend the night tonight. And my friend simply said, oh no, Johnsons don't do sleepovers. And her son was like, okay. And he just kind of bounced away to go tell his friend that he couldn't do it. And I was like, what in the world? That was so easy. How did you just do that? And why didn't he get upset or, you know, beg and plead to spend the night? And she said, oh, he does not want to do a sleepover. He's totally uncomfortable with that idea. I mean, he was probably eight. And she said, but he always comes to me and asks because it's an easier out to have mom just say no and to have that family rule that we don't do sleepovers so that it takes the pressure off the child to feel like he should just because other kids do or because he was invited. And so that was a great example to me. And we took that on as our family rule. And so our kids have grown up with a family rule of we don't do sleepovers. Now there are exceptions. I call it the no sleepover rule with an exception clause. So I'll link to that blog post where I tell about that. But I, um, I feel like it's really relieved our kids of the pressure, but because there's an exception clause, there is a time, you know, where there's just a special need, we're traveling, there's some unique situation and there's somebody that we really trust that we have allowed our kids to stay with. But the general rule has been no sleepovers. So, you know, you can do without what you want, but I have a lot of friends who have found that to be a good policy. And again, I go further into that in the blog post. All right, next we come to a section in this chapter called The Art of Discipline. And oh my goodness, the topic of discipline is so big that it could be its own chapter and it could actually be its own book. And there are many books out there on discipline. And so what I do is I cover discipline briefly, but then at the end of my chapter, I give a little outline of some helpful um, tips talking about different types of consequences to use for discipline, as well as some of my favorite resources. So hopefully those will help you if you want to explore the topic of discipline even more. But there is no doubt discipline is very important. In fact, it is one of our greatest responsibilities as parents. The Bible tells us that not only does God discipline those he loves, but also we are called to discipline our children in love. You can see Proverbs 19.18, Proverbs 23.13. In the book, The Five Love Languages of Children, Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell say this. They say, to be effective in discipline, parents must keep the child's emotional love tank filled with love. In fact, discipline without love is like trying to run a machine without oil. It may appear to be working for a while, but will end in disaster. And with that in mind, I'm going to just remind you, last month's uh, podcast episode in this series was talking about that connection we need to have with our kids. And I said then that everything else in the book is going to be a lot easier and more effective if you have that connection. So again, when we discipline, we want to make sure that there is an environment of love, that our kids' love tanks are filled so that they understand that our discipline is coming from a place of love. Now, 
Our aim in disciplining our sons should be teaching, not control. In fact, the word discipline comes from the Latin word disciplina, which means teaching learning. Through discipline, we correct a behavior and give our sons the tools they need to make better choices in the future. And it's important here to note that discipline is different from punishment. Discipline is motivated by love, what's best for my son and his future, whereas punishment is most often motivated by anger or frustration. Now, the means by which we carry out discipline and punishment may at times appear to be the same, but the heart is distinctly different. So it's incredibly helpful to discipline consistently and from the time your child is young. So those of you with little kids, I can't tell you enough how important those early years are for you to really require that respect, that obedience that we talked about last month. Um, it, it is so important to build that foundation because it gets harder and harder if you haven't done it in the early years. It's still possible. But as I'm finding with my 11-year-old, some of the things I didn't focus on with him that I did with the older boys, it's, it's a lot harder now. And so let me encourage you, if you've got young kids, then really work on discipline um, now because it will pay off later. I say here that looking back, I'm convinced that my older boys were shaped greatly by the early intentional and consistent way my husband and I disciplined them. I confess consistency was the intent, but admittedly one of the greatest challenges. Being consistent, guys, is hard but we should do our best to be as consistent as we can. Now, I talk about training next, and this is something I love so much. Sometimes we expect our kids to automatically know how to behave, and we get frustrated when they don't. So sometimes we're disciplining our kids for something that we've never really taught them how to do right. It's so important that we teach and train our kids first and then we discipline them later if they're not doing what we've taught them. Once again, I had another great example, a mentor in my life when my first son was young. I had another friend who had three children, and, and I used to spend time with her, and she taught me uh, how she trained her kids. She would prepare them before they did different things, especially in public. So before they went to the grocery store, they could do grocery store training at home, literally play pretend grocery store. You know, it's it's role-playing. It's, it's practicing. How do we act when we're at the grocery store, walking through those motions so that when they get there, first of all, they're not surprised and like all their senses aren't on high alert because there's colors and food and, and excitement around them, but also they have can remember then what they did to prepare and how they are supposed to act. And hopefully there's a little reward at the end if they can get through the grocery store without throwing fits and asking for candy and making a scene and, you know, challenging mom every which way. So she would train them before the grocery store or before a special church service where maybe there was no childcare and they were going to have to sit through a long church service. They would practice lining up on a little bench at home and she would teach them, this is how you sit. This is how you act. This is what you do, this is what you don't do. And of course, she would do everything she could to make it easier and more comfortable for them. But by practicing ahead of time, that was training them for how to act when the real situation occurred. And I do believe this is fair and loving to our kids. Sometimes we throw them into situations and then we're upset because they're not behaving well when they didn't even know what was coming. They weren't prepared for it. They had never been taught how to act, but yet we expect them to know how to act. So I'm a big believer in training our kids, talking about it at home, taking a quiet moment. This is why 
it's so important that we have some downtime, that we're not always on a schedule, that we have some time at home to walk through how should we act when company comes tonight. You get up from what you're doing, you go over, you greet them, you look them in the eyes, you say hello, you know, you just walk them through different situations that are coming up. Now, next I go into thoughtful discipline and I just remind everyone, every child is going to need discipline. Even the best behaved kids are going to need discipline. And so we want to get on the same page with our spouse about how we're going to do that. Now, I don't want to start a big debate over the right way to discipline. I do believe um, in in biblical discipline that for us included lovingly spanking our kids. Um, It was not child abuse. In fact, The times I regret the most were when I didn't discipline my kids and I ended up so frustrated that I would lose my temper and yell and scream and act like a crazy person rather than lovingly, calmly pulling them aside, giving them a little swat, a little spanking, praying with them and talking through what went wrong and how they need to do things different in the future. So again, I have a section at the end of this chapter about discipline that I think is really helpful with some resources. So I'm going to encourage everybody to look at that. Um, A lot of it really is about consequences. Consequences are the best teacher and there are natural consequences and logical consequences. And really natural consequences are just letting a situation teach the consequence without us getting in the way and rescuing. So for an example, as a kid gets a little older, maybe middle school or high school, they forget their lunch at home all the time when they go to school. Well, if we always rescue them and we deliver their lunch, are they going to learn from that? No. The natural consequence would be, you know, maybe after we've warned them, the natural consequence would be you're going to have to just go hungry a day. And that's hard for us as moms. We don't want to think our kids are at school hungry, but you know what? They're going to be a lot less likely to forget their lunch next time if you allow the consequence to teach them, right? So then again, I go into logical consequences, which are those times where there's just not an obvious natural consequence, but we can find a consequence that is closely tied to the behavior. An example might be you leave your dishes out, the child goes to bed. The next day, they need to do the full kitchen cleanup because they left their mess the night before. So you're going to ask them to clean up the kitchen and everybody's mess in the morning, maybe. And that's a a logical consequence. It's not naturally occurring, but you're tying the dishes and the dirty kitchen to the consequence of them having to clean the kitchen. So consequences are great. Use them everywhere you can. And there is a guide to that at the end of this chapter. Finally, I want to get into the fun part, which is healthy freedoms. And and this really is probably people's favorite thing to talk about. Again, I did a lot of radio interviews and podcast interviews when Boy Mom first came out and everyone wanted to talk about healthy freedoms. And I love this because here we are in Hawaii. As many of you know, I'm raising boys who have all been surfers and spear fishermen and they love to camp and hike and do things that some moms are like, how do you let them do that? It's so difficult dangerous. But I have just seen the fruit of allowing boys to spread their wings, to skin their knees a few times. Uh, Yes, we've been to the emergency room more than once, but really these are calculated risks. I really trust my husband's judgment, especially as we've made choices about where they can serve or different activities they do. But I am such a believer in giving our kids healthy freedoms. I say while boundaries are necessary and enforcing them is essential, our sons also need 
the opportunity to stretch their wings. I love a quote by John Eldridge from his best-selling book, Wild at Heart. He says, adventure with all its requisite danger and wildness is a deeply spiritual longing written into the soul of man. And I have witnessed this firsthand with my boys. In fact, I tell this story here about when my boys were young. They were like eight, six, and four. We went for a hike. Their dad was working. And so I took them for a hike in a place I had never been before. And a couple hours in, I started to realize I was not where I thought I was. I was disoriented and I saw the sun was starting to go down and I seriously started to wonder if we were in danger. I don't think my cell phone would work. I was like out of range and I was trying to keep my cool, but I let the boys know that I wasn't sure how to get back to the car. And I was like, we need to pray that God would show us the way out. Well, the boys were kind and prayed with me, but the truth is they started to act all excited and they were talking excitedly among themselves about everything they would do if we had to survive overnight. And then just a couple minutes later, a couple hikers came by and I was like asking them if they knew how to get to the parking lot. And they were, they said we were really close to the parking lot. We were like, less than a quarter mile from the parking lot. And I was so relieved. I stopped. I was like, boys, we need to stop and thank God. And my boys were seriously fighting back tears. They were so disappointed because they were so excited about the idea of having to survive in the woods all night. So that's just a little snapshot of how much boys, I believe, love adventure. And I'm sure a lot of little girls love adventure too. And that is a God-given desire. I am convinced that kids' appreciation for healthy adventure satisfies a God-given desire that many boys today end up trying to fill with artificial adventures found in things like excessive gaming, substance abuse, or other kinds of trouble. And I am convinced that if more boys had the chance to experience healthy adventures, far fewer boys would be seeking adventure in unhealthy places. This is something I've talked about a lot and I believe in with all of my heart. I quote in here some research out of Norway, uh, a woman, Ellen Sandister, who wrote a master's dissertation on sensation-seeking and risk-taking among young teens. And what she observed was that young teens who couldn't find a socially acceptable outlet to satisfy their desire for excitement showed an increased tendency to participate in reckless behavior. So I've said many times that when you think about the things that get kids into some much trouble. Things like sexual promiscuity, drugs, alcohol, even gaming addictions. What is one thing all of those have in common? Well, when you think about it, they all have that element of adventure, of thrill-seeking, right? So my conviction is that if we give our kids enough healthy opportunities to experience adventure, they're not going to be seeking it in unhealthy places. So as parents, we need to intentionally answer our son's innate need for adventure by providing age-appropriate opportunities for reasonable risk-taking. Certainly, when our boys were young, we wanted to protect them from dangerous things, but as they grow up, we learn to open up more opportunities to let them spread their wings a little bit more and take more risks. And again, this is all done with prayer and good judgment and, you know, a little bit at a time, giving them more and more opportunities to experience healthy adventure. And I think we've seen so much beauty and reward in that. So finally, I close this chapter talking about what I call flourishing freedoms. And this is really important because we we talked about boundaries and the importance of protecting our kids. And we talk about freedoms, but I think a lot of parents want some help figuring out how to move from 
you know, really guarding our kids, protecting them, and then eventually giving them more freedom. And what I talk about here is the analogy of a plant nursery. Now, where we live here in Hawaii, up on the North Shore, we're kind of in the country area, and right next door to us is a plant nursery. And it really made me think about this thing of flourishing freedoms. Now, an experienced gardener will keep a tender shoot in a greenhouse for a long time. There's a greenhouse next door. There's tons of little, little shoots in there. And a gardener will care for it as it strengthens and grows. But eventually that plant will be ready to spend some time outdoors. So a gardener will set it out in the elements for short periods of time at first, right? They'll put it outside and then maybe move it back in. If there's a storm coming or the weather isn't good, they'll bring it back in. But over time, that plant will grow stronger and healthier. And as it spends more and more time outside, it gets stronger and stronger. And one day that plant is ready and the gardener will officially transplant it to the ground outside or deliver it to a new home where it will flourish. It is officially graduated from the greenhouse and it's ready to thrive on its own in the elements. So this is what I consider a great pattern for parenting, a purposeful and thoughtful process of moving our boys from a safe and secure place to progressive exposure to the outside elements. Now, of course, even with a greenhouse plant, there is individual thought and consideration. We don't move every plant outside at the same rate, but observe each one to determine when it's ready and how much it's ready for. And the same goes with our sons. We give them more freedom as they seem ready. The rate of change will not be the same for every child. Intentionally assessing and regularly evaluating will help you determine when your son is ready for new freedoms, such as joining in activities with friends, going places without your supervision, or having greater autonomy in his choice of entertainment, music, gaming, and other online activities. So my husband and I have frequent conversations about each of our boys and what they're ready for, how responsible they have been with the freedoms we've already given them. And of course, I love to repeat my mantra, with freedom comes responsibility. And if I give my boys some freedom and they prove responsible, they're likely to be given more. But if they're irresponsible, then they can be sure they're going to lose some of their freedom. And we talk about all of these things as they grow up and as they earn more freedoms. So, of course, I end with, I say we should remember that with greenhouse plants and with our sons, there are no guarantees. Bummer, right? Though a gardener can do her best to provide conditions to help a plant grow well, she can't be sure it will thrive in the outside elements. And the same goes for our sons. As my oldest sons went off to college, I couldn't be sure that they would make good choices, but I sent them off knowing that I had done my best and that I had no regrets. And I could rest confident that I'd protected, equipped, and given them opportunities to grow healthy roots and the strength to stand in the storms that they had ahead. And that's really the best that we can do, parents. There are no guarantees, but we can parent to our best ability. We can be prayerful. We can give our kids those boundaries, offer them freedoms as they're ready and cheer them on as they grow up. So that is the heart of this chapter. And that is my heart for all of you as you raise up your boys. So I would love to close with a prayer. And so join me. Lord Jesus, thank you for every mom listening, and thank you for every boy that these moms represent, whether she has one or many. And thank you for the little girls too. God, this topic of boundaries and freedoms can be really 
stressful and really complicated as we try to navigate raising up these kids in the crazy world that we live in. But I pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray that you would give us so much help through your Holy Spirit as we raise these boys that we might know um, the best time to say no and the best time to say yes and have the the confidence to do it well and the grace if we make mistakes to talk about it, ask forgiveness, and then try again. So God be with all these moms who are listening. I pray for strength and encouragement this week. I pray that they would not grow weary in doing good, that they would trust that they will reap a harvest if they don't give up. So Lord, thank you. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't read Boy Mom yet, that's the best place to go to read more about boundaries and freedoms and all of the things your son needs most from you. Next month, we will cover chapter four, which is about raising a son of faith, another favorite, especially my favorite. But um, in the meantime, we have a lot of great interviews coming up and some awesome episodes. So stick around, keep coming back. I'll be here every week. You have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha. Mm -hmm.